Hi, everyone. Welcome to Name Drop San Diego. I'm Christy Totten, and my guest today is Joel John Roberts. Joel is the CEO of PATH, also known as People Assisting the Homeless. He lives in downtown San Diego, and over the last 25 years, he's grown a small Los Angeles transitional living home into a statewide operation serving more than 140 communities. Joel himself has an amazing life story, which we'll get into now without further ado. Here's our conversation. So Joel, John Roberts, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, you are the CEO of PATH here, um, well, which is based in San Diego, I guess. Uh, can you can we start with just a, a bio? Can you tell me what you think is important for me to know about you? <laughs> thank you, Christy. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I am the CEO of PATH, People Assisting the Homeless, and PATH Ventures, which is a housing development agency of PATH. Um, I'm actually based in San Diego. However, PATH is statewide. We uh, work in 140 cities besides San Diego throughout the state of California. Um, we actually serve throughout the state 20% of all of California's homeless population. That's incredible. And so why um, is homelessness your issue? How did you get into this and why, why is it important to you? So I've been running PATH for 25 years and um, I've, uh, to me, helping people who are homeless is very personal. Um, my last name is Roberts because when I was just days old, I was actually abandoned uh, by my uh, birth mother and I went to an orphanage. And when I was two and a half years old, I was actually adopted into the Roberts family. So for the first couple of years of my life, I had no home, no name, no family. And I just feel like I really resonate with uh, the people on the streets. Um, you know, I, mean, I wasn't like literally living on the streets of California, but there was just that, uh, that emptiness and that gap in my life that I feel like people living on our streets have similar emptiness and gaps. So this is, this is more of a calling and not a job. Um, and it's about success stories. And uh, I do want to tell you, uh, because of 23andMe, about a year and a half ago, my biological family actually found me. Um, and they, we interacted during COVID. And last month, uh, the month of July, um, I actually traveled to Hong Kong, where I was born and met my biological family and my mother. Um, it was very wonderful and positive. And this is part of the success that uh, is in my life. And it's something that I want to provide to other people is, is success stories. What an incredible story <laughs> and how heavy and emotional. Um, can you tell me more about your trip? I mean, how, how, did, it, how did it go? What was it like meeting your, your birth mom after all these years? Well, I, you know, I, um, I met them online about 18 months ago, but because of COVID, I couldn't travel there. So I, you know, I've been interacting with my birth mother and my other relatives, you know, almost on a weekly basis, whether it's a phone call or emails or WhatsApp. So by the time I went there, it was, you know, I knew them, they knew me. And, uh, although it was emotional, it was still, uh, uh, it wasn't like shocking anymore because, you know, I had 18 months to kind of process through this. Um, but the local paper there, South China Morning Post, 
uh, picked up picked up on it through some of my sharing on social media, and so they they wrote a big article about my journey as well. Wow, that is so incredible. Well, you mentioned sort of an emptiness, you know, in your heart that you've carried around. I mean, did this help uh, with your healing at all? Uh, definitely so. It's kind of full, full circle. It wasn't like I was looking for my biological family, but you know, like you know, like I said, there's just a little sense of emptiness, and uh, and now it's filled. I know what happened to me, and um, you know, I knew my my birth mother gave me away because she couldn't take care of me at the time. She was you know 19 years old, um, and 19 year years old girls back in that day in an Asian society, you know, just don't have kids with you know, out of marriage. Uh, and she gave, she blessed me by sending me to the Roberts family who gave me my name, my education, my future, uh, the love and, and a family. So, and that's what we want to do at PATH. Same thing. You know, most people don't see people who are living on the streets with people with names or with families or, uh, uh, being loved. And that's something that we want to do at PATH. Yeah, I, I read an essay you wrote, as you said, you've been doing this over 25 years saying, you know, you would think that in that time, um, you'd be able to make a big dent. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, the, the situation just keeps getting worse. When I think about homelessness, a lot of the time, it does seem so insurmountable. You know, you, we're, we're out there, we're doing things path, especially, right? Um, but I mean, how, how do you tackle such a big problem? Well, first of all, you know, as I shared, I've been doing this for 25 years and uh, um, I've been in every 10-year plan and homeless committee or uh, homeless, new homeless initiatives and new funding across the state. And every time everyone says, you know, we're going to end this in two years or we're going to end, you know, uh, stop homelessness and all this stuff. And um, we all know, I mean, we're not, we're not blind. We see the tents and, uh, and the RVs and the cars and people sleeping on the streets and then in the parks and on the beach, not only in San Diego, but all across California. And I do think that there's a sense of kind of despair, even with the people who are housed, let alone those who are not housed. Um, but I still have hope. I, I what I feel like is my generation, who have been leading agencies for 20 years, 30 years, um, we failed. We didn't fail in terms of helping people get off the streets. Like I said, we're helping 20% of the people who are homeless in California. That's not a failure, that's success. But we failed in changing the system that will stop this. And that's what we're starting to find out now is that it's not just simply uh, setting up a bed or, or handing out a sandwich to somebody on, in the parks or feeding people. It's about, it's about building enough homes, affordable homes for people who are not even homeless but struggling so that they don't become homeless and building enough homes for people who are homeless. And we haven't created a system and we haven't even changed the system to have enough housing so that everyone has the right to a home. And until we do that, uh, we're failing. So what I've actually just recently announced was I feel like my generation has taken the helm, taken leadership in addressing homelessness for, for many decades, and, and we haven't changed the system. I actually think the next gen, it's the next generation's turn uh, 
to step up to leadership. So um, we just announced a few weeks ago that I'm actually giving up my CEO job uh, because most of my leadership is another generation below me, if not two, um, and letting them run path. Uh, I just feel like there needs to be new blood and new ideas and, and uh, thinking about this in different ways. And not that I can't think differently and be more creative, but I just feel like it's it's we've had my generation's had the chance, and I think it's another generation that needs to step up. I'm not going away. Um, I'm not retiring. What I want to do is I'm going to spend my time on trying to create ideas for housing and for social venture social venture enterprises. But I really want to have the next generation actually be able to have the authority to take you know a big operation like Path in San Diego and throughout the state to be more creative and, and to and think about uh, system changes and think about racial and gender equity um, and to think about new ways of, of building housing that's cheaper and faster. Um, and to, honestly, to shake up the political system that allows all this to happen. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you say that. I feel like one, it's it's brave and uh, you know sort of inventive. I feel like we hear younger generations often say like, "Oh, it's it's time for the boomers to step aside," but you don't often hear the older generation saying like, "You know, actually, it is time for me to step aside." So, yeah, I, I, I totally. It, it's not, and I've shared this for a while that I think a, a new generation needs to step up. And we've got uh, training programs at PATH, we call PATH Academy, it's leadership development. And we're doing all these things to help develop leaders. And then, and then one day I just thought, I'm a hypocrite unless I give up my job for this kind of new, new idea and new direction and new planning for the future. And so, I mean, it was difficult to make that decision. It was difficult for our board, even though my board now just loves the idea. But when, I, you know, when we first talk about it, it's difficult. It's it's emotional for a lot of people in my generation who spent their whole adult lives addressing homelessness and giving up their their time and their energy and their prayers and their money and their tears to address homelessness. It's you know it's it's emotional, but it's it's not. We haven't ended it, and and in fact, it's you know almost getting worse. I mean, you know, a lot of it's because of COVID and. But there's the racial equity issues. There's the housing afford affordability. There's the you know uh, the wages aren't keeping up with the cost of living. There's all these systems that I can build a, a home and I can set up a shelter, but that's not changing that system. And I feel like let's let the next generation step up and you know push us push aside Joel and others. <laughs> Um, well, I might be threatening others in my generation, which that's <laughs> not my intent. Yeah, I, it, my intent more was I just don't want to be a hypocrite about it. I really believe in this, and I believe in the next generation, and I'm willing to kind of give up my job for that. Yeah, well, it's very very selfless. Well, you know, speaking of new ideas, um, are there any new ideas out there when it comes to addressing homelessness? So I'm on the uh, board of the Regional Task Force for for homelessness. And I do feel like that organization, which is kind of a public-private partnership, it's a nonprofit, but it kind of brings together the uh, um, all the stakeholders that are in San Diego that are addressing homelessness. 
and kind of learning the, the best practices around the country and kind of integrating best practices with bringing together all the stakeholders. I think that's innovative and I think that's new. Um, I think in most uh, communities and jurisdictions that we path work in, stakeholders are always fighting or competing or everybody wants to, you know, needs the resources or they compete for the credit or, or they point fingers at each other. And I'm not just talking about agencies, I'm talking about political entities, the business community, uh, neighborhood groups, nonprofits, everybody. They're not kind of working together. And I think Regional Task Force on Homeless is, is kind of that body that's trying to bring everyone together and uh, make a difference. And I think that's, you know, cutting edge. There's another group in, in uh, Northern California, I'm on the board of called Destination Home and they're doing the same thing. Um, and to me, that's futuristic and cutting edge. Joel, I have a lightning round for you, just some random questions to get to know you as a person better. Uh, the first one is, what are some of your favorite places in San Diego? Like if you have a friend in town and you're showing them around, what is your greatest hits tour? In San Diego County, um, I have a, can I say favorite restaurants or not? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I would love to hear that. I have a favorite restaurant, Nick's in Del Mar. Um, when I lived in Long Beach, there was a Nick, there is a Nick's in Long Beach. And so I have to go there at least every other week. Um, I live in downtown um, uh, San Diego. So I, I love Little Italy. And I discovered the bike paths along the harbor there. So Ooh, now yeah. I can bike from downtown all the way to Shelter Island. So I go to Catch Restaurant there and mm -hmm. um, just love riding along uh, the water with the boats and everything. Um, uh, there's Moo Time ice cream on Coronado Island <laughs> that I'm addicted to. Um, <laughs> why is everything about food? But I know. Is. No, it's okay. Yeah. My whole life is about food too. Well, and I was going to say, you know, the harp, walking along the harbor, biking along the harbor. I think that's so underrated. I, I just yeah. moved here just under two years ago from Las Vegas, from the desert. And so like, I, I just love the opportunity to be by the water, but I go to Shelter Island all the time. And it's like, it's not as busy as you think it should be for how yeah. beautiful it is. I mean, maybe course, it's our secret. Of course, maybe now it will be a busy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we shouldn't give that secret up. I love flying into the airport and driving to downtown along the harbor because you kind of feel like you, you're on vacation with the yes. palm trees and the water and the boats. Yes, I feel the same way. I, every time I drive that stretch on you know harbor, uh, whatever it is, boulevard, I always think whoever designed this is just a genius, you know, coming from the airport yeah. and you see downtown unfold and it's just, it's so gorgeous. Um, oh, Baboy, B-O-B-B-O-I. It's a gelato spot love downtown. It. it is so good. Oh, you've yes. been. Oh man, yeah, I just, I'm addicted it. to the chocolate one. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. What are, what are some of your hobbies? My number one hobby before COVID was to travel. So I've, uh, you know, I pick places that like I've uh, um, volunteered to rescue um, abused elephants in Northern Thailand and volunteered at the Panda Breeding Center in Chengdu, China, uh, went and visited the Taj Mahal and An Angkor Wat in Cambodia. And I love to kind of pick places that are just like really cool. And um, I love to travel. Yeah. So you're an animal lover, but also there's that service element for you, even when you're yeah. on vacation. <laughs> 
and to go to countries, you know, where the, the language and the smells and the sights and the people are just so different than, you know, my life here. So if you had to eat one food forever and that was the only food you could eat, what would it be? Oh my God. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm addicted to hamburgers. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you call it food or not, but I love red wine. Mm, that's a good combo. Okay, you can choose two. <laughs> so sometimes I go to Del Frisco in downtown here and get a hamburger and a Bordeaux. Ooh, yeah, that sounds like a great combo. I think if I had to choose a last meal, it might be, yeah, cheeseburger and a, and a Bloody Mary. But, you know, I think wine actually does Plus. sound better. <laughs> Just a lot of salt. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received? When I was in graduate school, when I was young, I took a leadership class and the professor told us young up and coming leaders that the successful leadership is not how you start your career. Successful leadership is how you end your career. And that was part of the reason why I did my transition of giving up my job is part of ending my career in a successful way. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, and just final question: what, uh, what's you know, what's an item on your on your bucket list that you really want to do but haven't haven't been able to yet? Oh, boy, I've hit, I've hit a lot of I've. Do you hit buckets? I don't even know how you say that. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know where that <laughs> phrase comes from. <laughs> um, gosh. I can't think of, I've, I've kind of, I, you know, COVID, you know, because I can't travel anymore. COVID's kind of like stopped my creative juices on what to do mm -hmm. post COVID. Yeah. I feel that. So uh, I don't know. Well, I know you're not fully retiring, right? You're going to just no. sort of step into the background, but I mean, yeah. what would you do in retirement? <laughs> well, uh, my goal is not to retire, but I mean, I think if I retire, um, completely, I would just continue to travel. Mm -hmm. um, I like to write, so I would probably travel and write. Awesome. What kind of writing do you do? I wrote a book about homelessness called How to Increase Homelessness. Um, and it's kind of a satire on, on how we do, we're doing everything backwards when it is to address homelessness. Mm. And then when I was in Hong Kong uh, during quarantine, before I met my biological family, I finished a book about my uh, experience being adopted and how that relates to helping people are homeless. And that title of the book, although it's not published yet, is called I'm Home. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, will you tell me more of your experience sort of growing, growing up, um, being adopted and, and just how you've navigated that? Well, I grew up in a big family, uh, uh, Anglo-American family, the Roberts in Long Beach, California. Uh, I had four other brothers and sisters. Uh, my father was a professor at Cal State Long Beach and my mother was a special uh, education teacher in elementary school. Um, and everything to me was just like normal. Um, even though I was the only one who was adopted, um, I just, I, you know, to be honest with you, maybe I'm just slow, but I never really felt like I was adopted uh, until I don't know, I was like seven or six or seven years old and I brought a friend home and 
they thought I was in the wrong family because it wasn't an Asian family. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of figured out, okay, I look different. But even then I thought, you know, maybe every American family has a little Chinese boy running around. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I just grew up normal. I mean, this is my family. I, I love them. And, um, you know, it's, you know, besides the way we look, everything else is the same, the way we think, our worldview, mm-hmm. our experiences. So, I, you know, it's, it's, it's been just, you know, a very blessed uh, life. How did they, they find you initially? My grandfather was a missionary with uh, Biola, which is a Christian school in, in La Mirada in Southern California. And he started up a, a, a couple of schools and churches in Hong Kong. And when he retired to San Clemente, he and his wife, my grandmother, they, my, their son, my dad, and my mom said they kind of wanted to extend their, uh, their, uh, um, their ministry in, in China, and they wanted to do that by adopting a Chinese boy. Mm-hmm. So they found me. I was the lucky one. Wow, what an amazing story. Yeah. Um, well, will you share with me, you know, as you said, you've, you've been in this industry, if that's what you can call it, for so long. You've been in this profession for so long. You know, just a, a success story. You know, like what, has, what have you accomplished in this time? This, we are, the success with PATH and, you know, most agencies that are helping people are homeless, you know, for us, it's like every day because we're moving people literally from the streets into apartments every day, many of them. And it's, it's, it's like my success story, finding my biological family. For these people, the success story is getting off the streets, handing them a key to an apartment, walking them across a threshold, having the community, whether it's church groups or, or businesses or volunteer groups come in and fill that home with furniture and, and towels and, and kitchen items and having those people walk in saying, this is my home. It's, it's, you know, again, to me, it's even emotional. You know, I mean, a home to me is very sacred just because of my own experience. So when people walk through that, over that threshold, to me, it's just a sacred, sacred walk. And I hear these stories of people saying, you know, I have not taken a bath in 10 years mm-hmm. and now I have my own bath. Um, and people saying, I've never, I haven't eaten at a dining room table for five years. And now I can do that. Or people asking me, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know how to, uh, you know, can you give me some recipes of what to cook in my new kitchen? Mm-hmm. And, and, I'm, and unfortunately I don't cook. So I, I tell them, well, I'm the wrong guy to ask, but <laughs> um, just to hear those kind of stories, it, it's, it's, that's what success is. It, it's not just cleaning up the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's giving people, we're changing people's lives by, by bringing them back into home. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you learn? What do you learn about the, the human condition, you know, doing this, this work for the time that you have? You know, we stereotype people on the streets and we just think that one, either they're, they choose to be on the streets or they're just crazy or they're, they're addicted to drugs or or alcohol. And what, what I found out is everybody had, whether you're housed or unhoused, whether you're from, from wealthy families or not wealthy families, everybody has these stories and, uh, and they, some people fall through the cracks of the social safety net and they end up on the streets. 
some because they made wrong decisions and others because other people made wrong decisions against them. And to me, the human condition is, is that, you know, we can't blame people for their failures, whether they did it themselves or other people did it against them, that we just have to accept them and do whatever we can to help them uh, succeed and get off the streets. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to what you said earlier, you know, the, the quote your professor told you, it's not how you begin your career, but how you end your career. You know, what, wh how, what is your answer to that? You know, when, when, when you're done working on this issue, how do you want to be remembered? When, when I want people to remember uh, the end of my career as being mission driven, that my career wasn't uh, something for me to make money off of. My career wasn't to make me look good or be popular. Uh, my career wasn't about any sense of like political power or influence. It was about the mission of helping people and paying it forward. And, and that am I willing to do whatever it takes, including give up, giving up my job to do that? That's, to me, that's success. The success isn't, you know, having someone end their career and people hate you or they think you're, you know, not moral or, or you're selfish or whatever. To me, a successful career is being selfless and humble and doing whatever it takes to help other people. Thanks again to Children Roberts of PATH. I don't know about you, but I definitely want a glass of red wine and a burger right now. If there's someone that you would like to get to know in San Diego, please drop me a line. I'm at christy.totten at sduniontribune.com and I'd love to hear your nomination. I'd also love if you could give us a good review on your favorite app, whether that's Apple or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, whatever it is. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next week.